Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network, where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Randy and Evan Kiddings. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into the final 2023 season edition of the Bay Area Panthers pod. I'm Evan Giddings. That is Mark Randy with you, as always. And Mark... We got to wrap this season up with a championship. I mean, yeah. that is the way that the Panthers have finished this thing from worst to first, quite literally, from a 115 season in their inaugural campaign. They beat the Sioux Falls Storms in Henderson, Nevada, at the Dollar Loan Center in the 2023 IFL National Championship. The final score is 51 to 41. We can get into the game. Uh, but, I mean, just an unbelievable season, Mark, that culminates in a championship and it was pretty crazy to think about at the beginning of the year but as we kind of I would say got through the first few weeks you could tell some things were different about this group and it's pretty damn cool to see it all wrap up with them standing atop the mountain yeah yeah I want to get into the game in a little bit but my first thought you know even before the game I'm just thinking and reflecting on the season um, and even more so now, obviously, knowing that they are the champions of the IFL. Just thinking about, of course, last season, we know the story. They went, you know, one in 15. They won their first ever game and then they did not win the rest of the season. There were a couple of competitive games here and there, but for the most part, they weren't really in that many games the rest of the year either. So it was a really, really difficult inaugural season. Um, and then in the off season, you hear kind of some rumors and some things, and they attract some high profile coaches. Uh, you know, I know Darren Arbet was the coach to start the year, and, and there was you know a, a change that was made in house. Um, but the assistant coaches that he brought in last off season, Dixie Wooten and Rob Keefe, both very successful in the indoor game and in other leagues. What is the result of that? Well, you are able to attract some more talent. And, you know, you saw all of, uh, not all, but a bunch of players coming over from Northern Arizona who were the champions last year. And that all culminates in the number two ranked team in the preseason coaches poll. So this team had expectations from the very beginning, but you're right. It, it was kind of difficult to really be able to, to believe that this was going to be a championship team, not because you didn't believe in the coaches or you didn't believe in the players, not that you didn't believe in the organization and their ability to make the necessary changes and recover from a one win season last year, Evan, but it's just, 
it's it's wild to consider the stark difference in how these two teams are, you know, the last year Bay Area team and this year's Bay Area team are just literally on opposite sides of the spectrum. They're they're the two extremes. You said it perfectly at the beginning and very succinctly, worst to first. It also happened for Northern Arizona. Their first year in the league was two years ago. They won one game. And then last year, they won it all. So despite the fact that there is a very recent historical comp for this, it's still very hard to believe. Um, and I, I, I think it just speaks to um, the way that this organization was run, their ability to learn from some mistakes and learn lessons from last year, apply it in the offseason, make the necessary changes, um, continue to to treat your players the right way and go out of your way to, to make their lives easier off the field while they, while they are in season. Uh, it just an, an incredible accomplishment. But really my first thought, Evan, was just thinking back to how how different this team was than last year. Uh, and and how incredible of an accomplishment it is considering where this team was 12 months ago. I mean, they hadn't been playing football for a really long time 12 months ago because they didn't make the playoffs. Just an incredible, an incredible turnaround. Uh, And you got to credit every single person involved in the organization. Yeah, and I do want to let people know that there will be a championship parade. It is going to be in Morgan Hill, which is, for those not super familiar with the South Bay, a little bit south of San Jose. It's where uh, the practice facility is. It's where the housing is. It's where the Bay Area Panthers have made their home for the 2023 season. So the Morgan Morgan Hill will honor the Bay Area Panthers with a parade. That's going to be on Friday. So for those of you listening, I imagine as we drop this episode on Thursday, um, Make plans accordingly because the parade will begin at 6.10 p.m., the corner of Depot Street and Main Street, and then proceed down Depot, down to the Morgan Hill Community Center and Culture Center, and then players, coaches, front office members will be honored on the amphitheater stage. The ceremony will be followed by a the uh, Chamber of Commerce's Friday Night Music Performances, so a chance to celebrate the team, a chance to celebrate community, and all to celebrate the Bay Area Panthers. So make sure to get out to the championship parade in Morgan Hill. That's Friday, August 11th at 610. Uh, there's also national championship t-shirts that you can find on the Bay Area mm. Panthers website that are already up. If you go there, bayareapanthers.com, you can get your 2023 Bay Area Panthers IFL championship t-shirt. But I think, uh, look, you're absolutely right, Mark. I mean, this was uh, just a, such a different team. And I do think that the leadership group, you know, obviously Roy Choi, Marshawn Lynch, along with team president Scott McKibben under the ownership group, um, did a fantastic job at remaining even keel, which is not something that's easy to do after a one in 15 season. They were able to right the ship in the best way possible. And I hope it sets the tone for a very successful run for the Barry Panthers because the guy who was the star of the show was not here last year, and that was Dalton Sneed, the quarterback, who had five total touchdowns in the IFL National Championship, three of them running, two of them passing. He was 10 for 11 for about 100 yards, and he was nearly perfect. And that was a guy that was not not only in the picture, uh, but was a, a guy that was maybe considered by some kind of a cast-off. You know, he was let go by his team last year, and he had a lot to play for. And he clearly took it out of the Sioux Falls storm, and helped them to the 51 to 41 win. So, you know, whereas Justin Rankin was the hero with six rushing touchdowns in the semifinal against Northern Arizona, uh, Dalton Sneed took center stage in the national championship and 
understandably and deservedly so, he was named the game's most valuable player. Yeah, no, I mean, he didn't get some of the regular season honoree honors hardware that he wanted. Uh, he wasn't an MVP. He, he wasn't first or second team all offense, even though I, I know you and I both felt like he was deserving at least of an all IFL team honor. Uh, missing a, a couple of games, one game at the end of the season made it a little more difficult in terms of the MVP voting. Um, but he certainly deserved a ton of kudos for everything he did this season. And it's just fantastic. He's He obviously cares way more about winning games and winning the championship as opposed to any individual honors, but just really nice that he was able to get that you, uh, that IFL national championship game MVP because he deserved something individually from this season. Uh, we can just focus on what he did in the national championship game. You're right. Nearly perfect. 10 of 11, over a hundred yards, two touchdowns did not turn the ball over as he is so incredibly good at doing Ran the ball 10 times for nearly 50 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Bay Area got out to an early lead, thanks in you know large part due to Dalton's need. It was a 19-yard touchdown run on the first drive of the game. They then get a stop defensively, score again. They're up two scores really immediately in the ballgame. And for the most part, you essentially just traded scores the rest of the game. It, it was close. It was never really a done deal until late in the fourth quarter. But Bay Area, they got the lead early thanks to Dalton Sneed, and the defense gave them one stop, and then they just traded scores the rest of the way. So I'm I'm glad you highlighted Dalton Sneed uh, here off the top because his performance this season, absolutely deserving of all the praise that we could possibly heap his way. Because you're right, he was somewhat of a cast-off. He started last year with Vegas, one game, then was cut. Sioux Falls, believe it or not, was the team that then picked him up, but he decided to come to Bay Area this offseason, this most recent offseason, and, and now he's an IFL national champion. So uh, an incredible story for him. Uh, I'm incredibly impressed with his toughness, his, his ability and willingness to run the ball, to take big hits, even to lay blocks for some of his teammates, including Justin Rankin. And we've seen that that play where Rankin reverses field countless times and on a handful of those plays, Dalton Sneed is kind of the guy who's, who gets caught in a position where he feels like he has to to make a block, and he does it. Um, he deserves a, a ton of credit because he had an incredible season, and, and there's no doubt that this Bay Area team is not going to be a, a championship-caliber team if they have a lesser quarterback. They needed Dalton Sneed, uh, and, and he was just absolutely incredible. Yeah, and one of the primary storylines going into this national championship game was how healthy was Dalton Sneed because he was hurt at the end of the semifinals, and we found out later that he did not practice the entire week due to, a, I believe it was a throwing arm injury, um, but had kind of an upper body issue that he was dealing with, and he missed a game earlier in the year due to an illness. He missed the one against uh, Duke City due to kind of a pres preservation heading into the postseason. Uh, but this one was far more serious. And he not only gutted it out, but was still running yeah. up and down the field, not being afraid to bury the shoulder into the defender. And he really set the tone for this football game, which kind of followed the script of many of their games this year. And why, as much as there was some nervous energy watching the game on CBS Sports, which was a really cool experience, and also getting to hear the game on 95-7, the game, um, you know, Dalton Sneed 
rushes on a third and one for 19 yards right out of the chute. Like you said, they get a stop. They go down and score again. This time it's JT Stokes, who appropriately had a couple of touchdown catches in this game. He's been the number one wideout all year for Bay Area, but Sneed sets everything up after a sack. So, you know, Dalton Sneed is really in the center of attention for just about everything that began the football game. And then, no, no shocker. Sioux Falls is able to, you know, kind of punch back immediately. And this was a team mark that was, I mean, they had a lot on the line considering their head coach, Curtis Riggs, had won 11 league titles, seven IFL Man. championships, had said before the game that that was going to be his last hurrah. Lorenzo Brown, who had been in the IFL for multiple years, had been playing professional football for over 10 for a decade long, if not more. He was good, had 120 yards rushing and three scores for him on the other side. Uh, so this was a Sioux Falls team that had a lot of kind of emotional energy pent up that was going to play itself out onto the field. But it was Bay Area that, especially in the first half, set the tone and was able to ride that wave of momentum to a championship. Yeah, and I think something that has has been one of Bay Area's best attributes all season has been their resilience, their ability to bounce back not just necessarily throughout the course of a season, they have done that as well, but in games. And this wasn't really a game where you felt like they were faced with a ton of adversity. Generally, what I'm referring to uh, more throughout the course of the season was when they would get down early. They got down, if you remember, first game of the year, which was the preseason number one against preseason number two, Arizona in Bay Area. Bay Area was down. In, in the second half, in the fourth quarter, they come back and they win the game. Uh, Frisco, early in the year, that was a battle of resilience. Bay Area was ahead early. Frisco came all the way back, took a lead in the fourth quarter. Bay Area bounced back and, and would go on to win that game. This game, the national championship game, again, they had the lead really the entirety of the game. But something that you're talking about there, the, the storyline almost kind of seemed – to, to lean Sioux Falls way, they had the, the wild upset of the top team in the league the previous week in the Eastern Championship game, the Eastern Conference title game, where they were down by 20 points in the first half on the road. They come back and win it on a crazy final second touchdown plus two-point conversion, and, and they win that game. And then you're right, they have the emotion of their legendary head coach, calling it quits, and he's he's trying to ride off in the sunset with another ring. Um, it, it, it kind of felt like the storylines were almost uh, like – and what's the way to put – how should I put this? Like if you were just to, to pull general football fans, not anyone that has a rooting interest specifically for Sioux Falls or Bay Area, and you, you tell them the story of these two teams, it almost feels like Sioux Falls would be the – the general public's favorite just because of all those storylines. So Bay area had to overcome that. And it's something that they've been really good at all year long, kind of overcoming those outward circumstances, things that are outside of their control. Um, and, and they did a really good job at that all season and, and specifically in this game as well. And that's where that early Dalton's need touchdown run became so important because you get that score, then you get the stop and you get another score. You're up by 14 points or 13. They didn't miss one of the extra points and you can kind of calm down and think, all right, this is just football again. We're ahead. We can play our game, get down to business. And, and then you ride that lead out to a victory. But overcoming adversity has certainly been something Bay area, 
uh, has done well all season long. And and you saw that maybe in a different way in this IFL National Championship game, but I think it was still there. Yeah, and, and you know, you might look up and down the box score and say, oh, well, you know, Sioux Falls turned the ball over three times. Bay Area won by 10, you know, is a pretty close matchup. Well, I, th- I think... And this speaks to the the veteran experience on the Sioux Falls side. You know, the majority of those turnovers or those ill-timed plays came in spots where they could afford them because Sioux Falls was the team that, unlike the majority of Bay Area's uh, games in recent memory, you know, they got the ball out of the second half. So Bay Area, yeah, shocker, scores <laughs> with 16 seconds left to a Dalton Sneed uh, physical run down the stretch, and then they get an interception to prevent Sioux Falls from scoring right before the half. Bill Atkins, who was, of course, a member of the defense on Northern Arizona last year, who's a part of the national championship team, he, who has been kind of battling injuries all year long, had a great moment at the tail end of that first half that was due-deserved, and the defense overall stepped up to create a situation where then Sioux Falls comes out, they trim it to a one-score game, and then Bay Area and Craig Peterson, who is also a late season addition, uh, Craig the Leg, is, as everyone knows him now, <laughs> is able to make it a 10-point game. But then Sioux Falls is able to just, again, they're, they're trading touchdowns for field goals. So, you know, Lorenzo Brown Jr., he scores just into the fourth quarter on a three-yard run, and that at the time makes it a three-point game. It's only 37-34. to 34. And so if you're Bay Area, that is a time where the game got a little bit tight, even though they never relinquished the lead. There were some kind of, I don't, you know, I don't know if Sioux Falls is going to be the team of destiny to come back and take this thing in the latter, in the waning moments. But JT Stokes is found by, by Dalton Sneed to kind of create another 10-point separation. And then the nail in the coffin, Lorenzo Brown Jr., really, I think the only mistake that he made all game, um, you know, just kind of he's one towards the end zone. Marquise Bridges makes a fantastic play and then takes it back all the way to the house. And that turnover in the red zone by Sioux Falls did them in because Marquise Bridges, who has had a flair for the dramatic throughout <laughs> the entire season, whether it's on defense or on special teams like the play he made in the quarterfinals of the postseason, um, finds a way, has a nose for the football, gets into the end zone, and then the final interception for Sioux Falls comes you know, basically on the last drive. But uh, Barry, in the second half, to your point earlier, Mark, each time there was a chance for them to wilt, they did not. And in fact, they responded with a big play, none bigger than the 50-yard interception return. Yeah, that I mean, that play, you're right, nail in the coffin. You get that one and you feel like, all right, it's going to take something pretty serious for this not to, to work out Bay Area's way. Turnovers, uh, I think, the biggest maybe story for this, this team this season. Um, as an offense entirely, they committed just 13 turnovers all season long. That is wild considering this team played 18 games. That's obviously easy math, less than one per game. Incredible numbers there. And they also forced 27. So this team was plus 14 in turnover differential throughout the season. They intercepted 20 passes this season and also forced seven fumbles, recovered seven fumbles. They forced more, recovered seven of them. Um, and they scored a handful of touchdowns off those as well, including in two really important games. In Here in the IFL National Championship game, that interception pick six by Marquise Bridges that you're talking about. And then remember, uh, to kick off Bay Area's first postseason game in franchise history, the strip sack fumble, uh, West Bowers sack, 
uh, I, I can't quite remember who uh, Tavon Grant picked it up and returned it all the way for a touchdown against Tucson on the first drive of the game. Uh, and Bay Area rides that lead th- given to them by their defense all the way to a victory. So turnovers, a gigantic part of this team. Dalton Sneed, of course, deserves a ton of credit for that, Evan, because he almost never turns the ball over. And if you have a quarterback that does that, you're going to come out on the positive side of turnover differential. But I think the other side that that maybe doesn't get talked about enough, Evan, is that this Bay Area team, I think it's something that you're talking about here, uh, has a knack for getting the big plays defensively when they need them. It's kind of been interesting following the stats all season long because Bay Area – consistently is near the bottom of the league in terms of yards allowed, both on the ground and through the air. They, they give up their fair share of yards, but they've been near the top, especially towards the end of the season when, when the numbers have kind of evened out a little bit. They've been near the top in terms of points allowed. And how do you have that kind of inequality where you're giving up a ton of yards, but you're not giving up a ton of points? It's because the defense in the big moments tends to stand tall. Um, and I think that's where Rob Keefe and this entire defensive unit deserve a, a ton of credit because they countless times this year came up with not necessarily always a turnover, um, but holding a team to a field goal in a key moment in the fourth quarter when, you know, you're close to relinquishing the lead or you need to keep it a one score game and you force a field goal attempt and, and maybe they miss it. Maybe they make it whatever. You only give up three points. That's a win in this high scoring league. So many times. This defense came up with big plays, despite the fact that they might have given up a ton of yards. They came up with big play after big play when their team needed it. And the most recent one, the last one, the one that helped them win a national championship was that Marquise Bridges pick six in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and one theme of this defense throughout the year, I mean, they, to me, Rob Keefe prioritizes speed and physicality. So... Pretty much every member of that secondary, I mean, they play kind of, they play obviously different positions, but the way that they play is fast and they keep everything in front of them. And there was very few yards after catch, not only in this football game, but of course throughout the season, really the only thing that has been a downfall of theirs was a dual threat quarterback. And Lorenzo Brown Jr. did run up 120 yards and three touchdowns, but everything was difficult. Everything was hard. And every time that he took off with the football, he got hit, whether it's Antoine Kincaid, who was a midseason signee, got to the all IFL rookie team, Marquise Bridges, who had another couple of interceptions. I think this is the third game this season that he's had multiple picks in a game. Bill Atkins returns after being injured throughout the majority of the season. J.R. Stevens, who's been a mainstay and I believe led the team in pass breakups. Trey Meadows, who's a very vocal leader and one of the captains of this defense, complement the guys up front because you know, outside of Josh Rogers, uh, Roddy Henderson, they don't really use Tradition, like a traditional nose guard as much as one might assume. Tavon Grant is obviously a big guy, 245 pounds, <laughs> but he, along with Daytona Jackson on the outside and Kenton Bartlett, who is activated off of season-ending IR for the playoffs, those guys are primarily speed rushers. Like They get to the quarterback and they get sideline to sideline in pursuit of running backs. And so I think everyone along with, of course, the two linebackers. And I know Wes Bowers got the start in this game, had a sack, had a tackle for loss, led the way with 11 tackles. Do not want to, of course, leave out Darren Hungerford, who was this the game one starter of the season. And 
him and Bowers pretty much just battled back and forth to keep each other fresh, and they were a spitting image of each other. So everyone at all three levels defensively really complemented each other, and I think that was also reflected on the offensive side of the football too because you know they, they did benefit from having a lot of health but the majority of their pieces all worked in cohesion. And I think that's a big reason why specifically defensively, you could see Rob Keefe just kind of let his guys loose and eventually figure that the opposing team was going to make a mistake. And no matter who it was on the defense for the barrier Panthers, somebody was bound to make a play. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I agree. And you brought up something uh, in terms of West Bowers, Antoine Kincaid. These are guys that were, not on the team to begin the season. And it's got me going through my notes here. I'm thinking back to the first game of the year. Again, Arizona against uh, Bay Area. And I'm I'm looking at the Bay Area roster at that point, Evan. And there's a a lot of, you know, similar names, of course. Um, But, I mean, the receiving core, for example, entirely different. Arthur Jackson III, J.T. Stokes, Aaron Dilworth were the expected starting three wide receivers to start the season. Um, They both were good players, and they earned opportunities elsewhere. Daniel Corral Jr., one of the the only returners from last season, from the original inaugural season of the Bay Area Panthers, he was on this team to begin, but he never played. He had an injury to begin the season. It just didn't ever get right. He eventually was put on season-ending IR. There were a couple of other receivers that we never really saw as well. And when you have players like that 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 move on elsewhere, then your your team, your, your coaching staff, is tasked with finding replacements. And I think one thing that this Bay Area team did, maybe better than anyone else, Evan, is find players during the season that became stars. Uh, I mean, Nye Jackson superstar he was incredible this year and he wasn't on the team to start the year now bay area certainly knew of him before the season started i'm sure it's not like they just put an ad out an ad out on craigslist after the first week when a couple of guys move on they're aware and you know you know these guys you're not going to be a successful coach at this level in this league without knowing players beyond your roster Um, but this coaching staff's ability to find players that they did not begin the season with I I think was was just incredible and and I think the wide receiver room is the best example of that defensive line I think as well is is a good one because Kenton Bartlett missed so much missed so much of the season Uh, Malik Dorton uh, started the year and, and was playing well but we didn't see him after that he wasn't on the roster at the end of the year there was uh you know some defensive back movement as well, along with injury. Antoine Kincaid was the guy they brought in midseason. This coaching staff's ability to find players that they did not originally have to start the season was incredible because Bay Area does not win the national championship without Nye Jackson, without Antoine Kincaid. It does not happen. Um, so Bay Area's ability to improvise and to adapt and uh, get the team better through midseason acquisitions, not by trades with with players that were already in the IFL, but just by going out there and signing someone else who wasn't currently on a team deserves a ton of credit because there are so many key pieces that that helped this team win games in the postseason and late in the regular season that were not on this team early in the year. Yeah, and look, I mean, Jeremy Ledbetter, who was a pretty 
solid center for the offensive line that helped pave the way for one of, I would say, if not the best running back in the IFL, Justin Rankin, was also a midseason addition, and there was some kind of rotating door feeling at the center spot. You had Jamarcus Means, Kyle Davis also helped out throughout the postseason, and Amari Catchings, who was a revelation up front, all IFL rookie team, all IFL second team as well. Um, Those pile drivers up front were a big part of this offense. And to your point, all those guys they brought in complemented the mainstays from the beginning of the season, which of course includes the all the IFL most valuable player in the championship game, Dalton seed. It includes the all IFL second team running back, Justin Rankin, who led the league with touchdowns on the ground and JT Stokes, you know, and then Cottrell Haywood coming in who kind of stepped up and shined by the end of the yeah, season as a, true. as a very dependable third option on the outside. Um, everyone, I mean, and understandably so when you win a championship, you need everything to come together and the puzzle pieces just fit perfectly for Bay area. So, you know, it was, it was a pleasure to cover them this season. Uh, and I just personally on, on the kind of the final note for the, for the final pod here to the 2023 season, Mark, just want to thank, you know, the ownership, uh, specifically Roy Choi, um, who basically stuck with it, you know, from all yeah. of his, uh, you know, feelings that he kind of shared with us in the semifinal match towards the end, sticking with the team, not giving up on them, not giving up on both the front office as well as the coaching staff and then the players, um, but giving them the runway to do something special. And want to thank Scott McKibben, who's the team president, uh, was always kind enough to come chat with us before games, before the broadcast. Let us know if there's anything he would like, if there's anything that we needed to know. Uh, Dave Lewis, who operates, of course, as the the broadcaster for both the home TV and then the road radio broadcast alongside Steve Pappen. But he also is the communications director and was very helpful throughout the season with us being able to provide, whether it's you know, stats, um, storylines, and just to bounce ideas off us. And it was really just incredible. It was so much different than a year ago, despite the majority of the people in the higher positions being in the same place. And so getting a chance to do those home games was was incredible. Getting to build a relationship with the coaching staff, some of the the other members of the team, and then the players themselves. Uh, just feeling very grateful that we got to cover a team that did something really special this year and hopefully has a lot of special things yet to come. Yeah, 100%. I know you and I have both kind of been around the United States doing a bunch of sports here and there, some lower level sports some professional sports. Uh, I can say, Evan, this was the most fun I've had covering broadcasting for a team uh, th- that I've ever had the experience of, of broadcasting for. This was an incredibly fun team, an incredibly fun year. The product on the field was great. Uh, we've talked so much, of course, on the pod about the players and, and how they have had success on the field and why they are national champions. Um, but you're right. Everything you said about the front office, about the ownership, uh, Roy Choi, Scott McKibben, Dave Lewis, uh, that you mentioned, obviously always so friendly and helpful to us. Um, the, the play on the field was championship caliber. Um, the front office, the ownership, everyone involved, the staff, game day staff, uh, also championship level. So you're right. I got to got to thank everyone involved uh, for helping us uh, make our broadcast as good as possible, for giving us everything we need here to do the pod. Fantastic, fantastic season. Already looking forward to next year. You got to defend your crown. Looking forward to that, of course. Um, but yeah, everything you said, I echo it. Thank you to everyone. Feels 
feels awesome to be able to, to say that, that we call the championship season. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. This is a, a fantastic year, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful I got to be a small part of it. Yeah, and on a final note, a big thank you to the audience, both the ones that are listening to the pod right now, but those that have listened to the broadcast the whole year that have listened to the two of us, along with Dave and Steve, uh, both on television and on radio that have supported the team through thick and now thin. Um, I should say the opposite way. I should say uh, thin, now thick, the way that they are. Uh, and you can have a, an opportunity to celebrate with the team, if you like, on Friday, August 11th, the 610 parade that is taking place in Morgan Hill. And that is going down again on Friday, August 11th. So this Friday, if you're listening, it's going to be at the Morgan Hill Community Center and Culture Center. Going to start on Depot Street and Main Street and go right down. Players, coaches, and front office will be honored on the amphitheater stage. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of chatting, a lot of shaking and kissing babies and everything <laughs> that comes along with winning a championship because the Barrier Panthers absolutely deserve that. And you can also remember this championship by picking up your IFL National Championship t-shirts on the Barrier Panthers website, barrierpanthers.com for that. Uh, but Mark, that'll do it for this edition, the final edition of 2023 and this season for the Barrier Panthers. Uh, that is Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings saying thank you one last time for listening to us all season long. Before you know it, 2024 is going to be here, and we'll be right back here to bring you everything you need to know about the Barry Panthers on the Barry Panthers pod via the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 